You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. As always, I'm your host, Ben Wolf, and uh, I welcome you today to this, uh, to this interview. We're going to learn about how to use digital marketing as part of your sales process and some really, really great information about how uh, about how to improve and grow when you hit the ceiling and, and you have challenges in your own business based on our, our guests' experience today. Uh, and as always, before we get into that, just to remind you to please subscribe, leave a review on whatever medium you are listening to this show. It makes it available, obviously, to yourself and uh, the algorithms out there make it more available to others as well when they search for entrepreneurial-related things. Um, and uh, so with that, I'd like to get into the introduction for our guest today, who is founder and CEO of Impact, which is an inbound marketing, a digital marketing agency with the stated goal of helping small and medium-sized businesses grow. Uh, his first job in marketing was uh, at the YMCA when he was still in high school. Hopefully we'll hear a drop about that later on. Uh, his company, Impact, is one of HubSpot's Diamond Partner Agencies, uh, which is uh, which is their HubSpot's highest tier uh, of their partners. Um, I'm actually running my business as well, Wolf's Edge Consulting uh, on HubSpot. And um, less than a month ago, uh, I guess actually his organization, Impact, hosted a two-day event, Impact Live in Hartford, Connecticut, focused on sales and marketing. Um, he's uh, they have a, They have another even bigger event plan for next year, next April, Digital Sales and Marketing World 2020 coming up. Uh, you can find out more about his company. He's, uh, again, founder and CEO of Impact at ImpactBND, that's letter B, letter N, letter D.com, ImpactBND.com. And without further ado, I welcome our guest, Bob Ruffalo. Welcome, Bob. Thanks, Ben. Man, you did your homework. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> got to do your Thanks for that great man. instruction. No problem, no problem. Uh, always want to be prepared. The Boy Scouts motto. Not that I was in the Boy Scouts, but <laughs> <clears throat> anyway. So uh, happy to have you on, and sorry for speaking quickly. Uh, maybe even more quickly than I usually do, but uh, there's a lot we're hoping to get to, uh, and hopefully, you know, that you could share. Uh, Let's with, get it all in. Yeah, with the entrepreneurial community out there. Awesome. So, uh, so here we go. I guess just first of all to give everybody a little context into. Um, how you got into marketing, what your background is, how you learned it. Um, if you mind giving everybody like a quick little two-minute introduction into how you started in marketing at the yeah. guess, the YMCA back in high it school, was. just where you learned where you learned things along the way. Yeah, I mean, it was you know you're talking the, the late '90s and really right around 2000, and I you know really first job I got a job at the YMCA. I was a lifeguard. I was a swim instructor. And there was a director of operations that came in who was taking over. Um, really, his big project was doing a capital campaign to expand the YMCA in my mm -hmm. town. And he knew well, I was Where was this? Where did you grow up? Wallingford, Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, they were doing this, this project to expand the building, uh, big fundraiser. So he knew I was good with computers and... Just said, hey, you know, do you? He started giving me some side projects, and after school, I was going there. I was doing some brochures, doing some updates to their website. Really got into it. Totally geeked out. Anything <laughs> I can do. And once that was over, they actually offered me a position of of doing marketing for them when I was seventeen. So you were still uh, in high school. This is like part time, or this is two thousand one. Yeah, and I was part time. Okay. So I would go there after school. 
rebuilt their website. We were doing all their brochures and collateral, and I was just loving it. So I, at that point, I just knew marketing was what I wanted to do and wow. uh, went to school for it and uh, got my first job out of college at a manufacturing company, spent three mm-hmm. years doing marketing for them, started freelancing on the side, uh, again, just doing a lot of websites, doing some you know some SEO work, and uh, had enough freelance business that I was able to start my own company. Well, that's awesome. Okay, well, I, I do appreciate kind of get, getting me a little image of uh, of how you got into this, and you know, I guess where you got your experience and learning. And um, so, just skipping ahead a bunch of years, I mean, that was over nine years ago uh, when you started the company. It was November two thousand nine. What um, I know the last couple of years you've done this impact live event again, just briefly, mm-hmm. what is like, what is the, what is the goal of that? Why did you, why did you, why did you and your company start doing that? What, what's the purpose? Uh, passion was the reason why we got into it. I'd been to a few conference. I mean, I'd been to a bunch of conferences at that point and I just knew that in Connecticut, there wasn't anything like what we imagined There wasn't these great digital marketing and inbound marketing speakers coming to Connecticut. Uh, We had a bunch of clients um, and just a small community here. So I just wanted to bring that to Connecticut. It was also really good for my team. Um, It gave us something else besides the normal just agency work that we can Uh focus on. So it was... uh, you know, it was fun putting that together. It was a fun project. And every time we've had one of these events from the company standpoint, it was always a giant boost to how proud people were of the company. Um, it also gave us some great content and video footage. It helped expand our network and our reputation. So after the first one we did, which wasn't called Impact Live, it was actually at a brewery and we called it Brewing Marketing and Sales Success. <laughs> Cute. And yeah, uh, and we had a blast. We just knew it like, okay, we're going to make this bigger next year. We're going to bring more people together. We're going to bring better speakers in. And then we had three impact lives in a row once every year, 17, 18, and 19. And this most recent one, we, we ended up having 600 attendees. 600, we, that's huge. It was, it was a lot of fun. And we just brought in some phenomenal speakers. Again, for my team, it's just something they could feel really proud of. Uh, every year it's growing, so the brand, our company's brand is growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from a, a selfish cost reason, it's a lot better for all of our clients to fly into Connecticut than it is for me to fly my people to go visit all my clients. <laughs> uh, but it's also great to get all of our clients aligned on this is what we're going to be focusing on over the next year. These are the strategies, the tactics, the methodologies, the philosophies that we all need to be aligned on and believing in. And we do that all together with all of our clients together. And uh, so it's something we really, truly believe in. I think this year we realized how special it is of what we're doing. There are a lot of business conferences, marketing conferences out there. Um, They're all the same. You you just have speakers and um, some speakers are good, some aren't. A lot of things are like just philosophies and ideas and concepts. You might get a couple takeaways, mm-hmm. and I think what we really have leaned into is just a a real one a, a huge focus on on get, bring your team together, 
um, and everyone being aligned, breaking down silos between sales, marketing, and leadership. Uh, we've leaned into, you know, really doing like a giant workshop with the entire audience. So it's like a four-hour pulling inspiration from like Tony Robbins events and really just a full immersive transformational experience. Uh, you know, the production value we put in, and, and Ben, if I told you how much money we, we, we spend <laughs> just production value, you'd think I was crazy. Right. Well, um, I see the just, pictures. I mean, and I've been at yeah. Tony Robbins events, so I could, I could kind of get an idea of, of the, the amount of work and like you said, money and it goes in, you know, invested in, making something like that it's i mean it's dizzying it, to think it, how much it how is much work that is i mean i guess i would think like you know like comic con like i apologize if i'm being geeky here but you know we we, we used to, but me and my family started going to comic con last year and just think you know they have this organization read pop that just specializes in making giant events so you know so i guess you know so i don't know do you have somebody outside like that that puts on the event and you just you know, I, I don't know, and you just do a certain portion of it, or you guys do the whole thing in house. Yeah, we we've been doing most of it in house. It is a big undertaking. We have staffed uh, a few people to primarily work on this event. Uh, eventually, we're gonna have to get some more help. Um, but yeah, we're doing most. I mean, we have a great production company, and you know, Marcus and I work. In, you know, Marcus, my my business partner, we work incredibly close to to build out the agenda. Uh, we have people, you know, really work with the sponsors, trying to create an incredible experience for the sponsors. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we're just kind of figuring out as we go, and it, we're, you know, it's something that we're really proud of, and we're really excited to really to to build and and really add something special because um, we there's definitely a gap in these business events, mm-hmm. um, and we're really leaning into to doing something that's different and way more valuable than I think that's that's already out there. That's really interesting. I guess one one observation that I'm making listening to listening to the way you describe it is the multiple references to the value it brings to your own team and your own culture, mm, um, yeah. not just to the outside. And so I want to come back to that when you know when we start you know because I, I want to get before we run out of time today to talk a little bit about you know things that you do for your for your own organization not just you know kind of sharing with the you know with the entrepreneurial community kind of advice and guidance and things about marketing but also just stuff that you've learned and that you carry out in your own business uh, i definitely want to hear about also so we'll definitely want to come back to that uh soon absolutely um, and um okay so so that's really interesting with the, with the events and i appreciate that context i think that's definitely an important thing for people to understand because it's a major major project uh, of yours and of impacts um so but to, to get to the digital marketing substantively for the things that people can use and learn uh right now um mm-hmm. you know so for you know for those that would you know that need more background in this so i know a lot of a lot of companies everybody knows they need a website you mm-hmm. know and a lot of times that just you know becomes a kind of a digital brochure just kind of you know the same same as the paper version uh with just you know nice information hopefully looks good um but uh you know if if people you know and maybe there's some who are doing more or maybe they're just linking to that brochure website you know by paying for facebook or google adwords or something but what what are the most important things that people need to know i guess just one or two main points uh, to improve yeah. their digital marketing results or their leads from their digital marketing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, w- 
it's a huge question i know but i guess no yeah one or no, two, but main, I definitely one or two main points <laughs> but I'll, I'll answer a little little bit of a story because you know this digital world we live in it's it's so rapid and things change month to month mm-hmm. um when we first you know I, I started you heard my story of how i started as a right. freelancer by the time we got to about eight people uh we hooked up with hubspot uh, started doing the the inbound marketing playbook that HubSpot teaches all the agencies. Uh, at first, it was very effective. Um, over time, became less and less effective. I mean, maybe it's saturation, or or I think there's other reasons as well. Mm-hmm. And so we were doing okay. Like we, we you know we were busy. We had a good brand, but we had a lot of traffic, had a lot of leads, a lot of new opportunities. So the company was growing, but in terms of the way we're delivering our services. Um, it was okay. It was average uh, compared to all the other agencies in the space. Okay. There was there was one agency in the space that was very different. They offered different services. They um, they had these incredible success stories with the clients that they were working with, and I was very attracted to that. Uh-huh. So, uh, and that so this company is your comp- was, this is somebody in your competition. It, yeah, I would say it's a competition, uh, friendly competition. Uh, it was the sales line, and that was owned by Marcus Sheridan. Uh, okay. So I got friendly with him. Um, we definitely knew of each other through the community. He came, spoke at one of our events at the first Impact Live, and after that, we really realized how many synergies we had. Um, I was so impressed with this product offering and I just the way he was doing services. We had a, at that point probably about 35 people, maybe 40 people in our company. And uh-huh. we had a really good culture. We had a good management system. We were doing a lot of things right. And I think one the weakest part we had was our offering. And and the, I think the big difference that we realized, so after that moment, so he, he we became friends and we decided to merge our companies together. And I think the biggest Wait, thing was thing, what, what 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 would you say was the differentiator that that he was doing that you yeah we're looking the big, up to the, the big word was ownership um, where most HubSpot partner agencies with their clients their clients would outsource their inbound marketing to these agencies we were one of them and they would do the blog articles, they would do the email campaigns, they'd manage the website, they'd do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, including us, there was a lot of turnover. Clients would be like, all right, well, they'd sign on for six, 12 months. And after that period, you're like, you know, it's, we didn't really get what we were expecting. And the poor clients would just go do the hamster wheel to go hire another agency, thinking they're going to get you know, a better agency. And mm-hmm. how many times have we heard people saying, oh, we just had a bad agency experience? Um, I'm sure many of your listeners are like, yeah, that was probably me. We, we've hired mm-hmm. digital agencies. And, and, and the difference between what we were doing and what Marcus was doing was Marcus was like, you're going to do this and we're going to teach you how to do it. And he had successes from his previous businesses. And instead of saying outsource your marketing to us, he was like, you're going to hire a marketing team. We're going to teach you the principles of what makes a really successful digital sales and marketing company and you're going to do it and we're going to hold you accountable to doing the things that you need to do to be successful. So and so so you so you guys are more I, I don't know if this is a right term but you guys are more like coaches or trainers for the marketing people at your clients. Is we that- are we are making that change uh, completely. 
because the traditional agency model is broken. So we are very much going way more into uh, having our clients accept the fact that they've got to bring their their digital marketing and everything that goes along with it uh, in-house. And they've Mm -hmm. got to own their own content and they've got to own their own website. Um, and they've got to do the things that, that are going to make them successful. And then once they really get the, the foundations there, they, they, they hire a videographer. They start doing their own videos in-house, and we teach them how to do that. Uh, and that has been a game changer for us. Now, really, every client that we bring on, um, and again, there's a, there's a lot that goes into make sure that they're, they're set up for success. And we can talk about some of the things that, that make them successful, um, but I'm incredibly proud that, that the clients that we have now are, are when they really follow the system, they're doing things right, they are incredibly more successful and it happens much faster. Because they're, because they're owning their marketing themselves and not That's just right. thinking they could outsource it. That's exactly right. And I don't believe, especially in the, the small to mid-sized business market where people are outsourced to an agency, with a five to ten thousand dollar a month budget, I don't think it works. Well, I mean, if somebody's at that five or ten thousand a month level of what they can afford, what other option do they have? I mean, they yeah. they you know to, to to hire somebody on the outside like yourself plus one or more full time marketing people internally, that's a lot more than five or ten thousand a month. So I mean, w- I guess if they're in that kind of middle 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 ground type of place. Mm-hmm what should they do? I mean, what would you, what would you tell them if they asked for your advice? Yeah. Um, well, they have to understand how, how serious they want to be about growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to make that commitment. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be that expensive to uh, bring in the right people. Um, you know, we've seen people, uh, our clients that they say, I'm going to be dedicated to doing this. I'm going to create the content that's actually moving the needle. I'm going to apply this content the right way inside of our business. And you get the early wins. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of our clients will will go and they'll say, "Okay, we're gonna we're going to do this." And that we understand the first thing we have to do is is hire a content manager, and we're gonna produce the the right types of content three times a week, and we're gonna integrate that content into our sales process. We understand that's where we're gonna get the the wins first. Um, so we teach them how to do the right assignment selling, making their sales team more effective. Um, so yeah, it's it's. It's different, and it's much way more effective. Hmm. Okay, so that is <laughs> so. So I, I guess if you I'm, sense, I'm, sense, I'm sensing that your your voice, there's a little confusion still. Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, I'm just trying to get my my head around that the concept. I mean, I've you know actually I had a guest. Um, I forgot if it was. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had another guest on Jennifer Zick, who has, uh, who also runs on on EOS, entrepreneurial operating system for her own company. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Authentic Brand, and uh, so that th- she has what they, I guess you'd call a fractional CMO model. So mm-hmm. they provide, uh, you know, I guess just kind of like a part time. Uh, Maybe you know a maximum of two clients. You know about two, two and a, you know about two and a half days a week per per client uh, to be kind of a fractional uh, chief marketing officer, um, and um, you know made some of the similar underlying points that you're saying now about about the importance of that underlying internal ownership uh, and the and the brokenness of thinking that you could just 
uh, outsource the entire thing uh, and not have that not have that true integration or internalization of of of, of the marketing. Yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons why. I mean, at the at the pinnacle of digital marketing and attracting new business, it, you know, every business, although we're all different, we're all very similar in one way that for us to actually, um, for a customer to be willing to give us their money, they have to trust us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so much of the buying process happens before anyone even picks up the phone or, or schedules a meeting or, or talks that the buyers are out there doing their research. Right. And they're going to reach out to the people that they have the most trust with. So when a company is investing in content that answers the, the questions that people really have, that's the whole philosophy. It's they ask, you answer. Mm-hmm. Actually asking the questions that the buyers are obsessing over. They really want to know the answers. And you're addressing those answers better. You're addressing those questions better than anyone else. And not just doing it in, in articles, but you're doing that with videos and your people are in front of the camera and they're answering the questions. You're cranking out lots of videos to answer lots of questions. Mm-hmm. You're going to attract way more from search. You can use that as part of your sales process to, to move deals along faster and you're building a strong relationship. And again, I think a company like us can teach you how to do all that the right way. So you are ranking, so you are addressing the right topics that questions or that your buyers are asking. You're creating the right types of videos. We could teach you how to do that, but we can't do that for you. And if you you know we right. start putting you're models gonna, in you're there, you're never going to know their, their their industry, their their customers' questions as well as they do. That's exactly like you know you're gonna. What we used to do is, okay, we outsource blog articles to a, a copywriter, right? Okay, that's right. great. But what does that copywriter really know about your unique business, your unique stance on things? So it ends up being just the Generic, same old... like Googling a couple articles and... And, and buyers are smarter the, than that. The they, and then buyers are smarter than that. They see them like, and they roll their eyes like, oh, and they hit the back button. And that our clients don't want that to be a representation of the brand. Right. We want people to land on and be like, oh, finally, somebody actually addressed that in a way that's really helpful. I understand it, and I I, I want to talk to them because now you know they get me, and that's uh, so that's the whole principles of our philosophy. That's what we teach. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, I, and I think I think that underlying uh, that underlying ownership uh, ownership philosophy of the of the marketing, um, I think you know maybe is the biggest takeaway of that that part of our conversation. Um, and and there is a book. The yeah. Marcus has the second edition of, of the book. They ask you answer just came out. So if anything that I just mentioned, or if anything you know, sparks any interest, that book is out now. So um, really proud okay, of the awesome. second so edition. So they ask you answer. It's Marcus Sheridan, you said. Marcus Sheridan, that's correct. Right. Okay. So so speaking of uh, of they ask you answer and and, and the thing you know and the thing that I said I wanted to get to earlier, which was um, which was to you know to hear some stories or, or or wisdom of you know things challenges that you've had along the way for your own business. Um, is uh, you know is you know one of the things we, we talked about separate you know kind of before this interview was how that they ask you answer philosophy. I mean you're you're applying that now or a minute ago in terms of how people can incorporate that into their marketing strategy. But just in terms of your own business, how, how has that philosophy affected affected what what you do at Impact? Well, yeah, I mean, we've always viewed ourselves as a publisher. We've always actually insourced our content. Uh, even when we were small, I've always had, uh, you know, when we were 
seven people. I had a full time person for for marketing. When mm-hmm. we were like eighteen people, I had three. Now mm-hmm. to seventy people, I think I have twelve people on my marketing team. Wow. So we've always viewed content as a critical component of, of what we do here at Impact. Um, I think what we're doing way more now of is we're not just viewing content to publish on our website, to go out in an email newsletter and hope to be found in search. We're creating the right types of articles and videos that are integrated into our sales process. So, for example, if, if somebody reaches out to us um, and they want a website, uh, say, hey, Impact, can you, can you help us with a, with a website project? And we still do websites. Um, Instead of what we used to do, and say, sure, we'll set you up a, a, an appointment and you know th- this person will be following up with you. Now we, we have a completely different approach. We're like, sure, no problem, we'll set up the appointment. But before we do, what I wanna do is I'm gonna send you a piece of uh, content. Uh, it's a little long, it's probably about you know 25 pages, it'll probably take you, you know, 15 to 20 minutes to read. But what it's gonna do is it's gonna explain everything about our process, our philosophies, the steps that you're gonna be going through, everything that you need to know so that you know both how we work, but you can make sure that you're doing the right thing for your business and, and um, you have everything that you need to know so you're making an educated decision when you do talk to us. And, and we say, you know, if we send this to you, will you read that before the appointment? And most of the time they say, well, they'll say yes, um, but what that does is by the time the, the rep or whoever's following up on that appointment gets on the phone, the prospect hardly has any questions left. They're like, yeah, this is exactly what I need. I read everything. So it gives our sales rep so much time of their day back to do what they need to be doing is closing deals mm-hmm. and not having to repeat the same questions over and over and over again. So it's made our sales team way more effective, um, shorten the sales cycle, significantly increased close rates so so that's just like one example of how we've done that um, and I know, know like a lot of people are saying well you they say yes but are they actually going to read it right. well before we even have the call we actually follow up with them before and say hey I just want to follow up on that article or that piece of content I sent you um, did you have a chance to read that and then a lot of times we get no no I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to I'll do that right now and we say great just please make sure you read that before the appointment that way, again, we just know that our audience is as educated as possible. So that's just one example I mean, do, do of how people, we apply it. Do people say, uh, no, I'm just not going to be able to. Can we have the appointment anyway? Well, yeah, they say if they say that, we're you know, um, it's also kind of telling. Do you actually ask them to reschedule if they say that? We would reschedule. And uh-huh. if they are really not about doing that, they're probably not going to be a good fit client for us. Because all along our process, we're going to be asking them to do things. Um, if they're not willing to, to do what it takes to be successful with our help, they're not going to be a good fit. Right. But mo- most, I mean, it's very rare that somebody was like, no, I won't read it. Like if we yeah. ask them, say, hey, it's important to read it. And they, they usually do. And, and it, it significantly helps. It also differentiates us from the, the competition. Yeah. Well, that's because true. Because, you know, we're so prepared with our content. It's exactly what we want to deliver. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's interesting. I guess, you know, maybe that connects to something else I want to ask about was, um, was, you know, you, you talked earlier about how your impact live events were important several times you mentioned, uh, for the effect that it had on your own team. Um, and you know, and now you're talking about having a good, a good client match. And so, which I guess brings me up to your, your core values, 
Mm. Um, and just interested to hear how you use your core values, I guess, both in terms of, you know, how do you reinforce those or carry those out or what effect they have, you know, both on your, both on your, um, you know, your internal team and your culture internally, as well as, you know, how does that affect how you work with clients or how you, you know, find if your client is a good match for you? Yeah. Let's see if I can remember our core values. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> What's that? No, core, I said, let me see if I can remember our core values. Oh, yeah. but I'm, I got them in my, I have it in my notes if you need help. <laughs> no, no, they're, the, well, they're the, the core of everything we do here at Impact. So our core values are passion, helpfulness, and dependability. And, uh, you know, the, the process that we went through uh, was around 2014. I had just read Good to Great. I had just mm-hmm. got, you know, introduced to the whole uh, EOS tools. And we went through and, you know, I, I, one thing about core values, if anyone's, if they don't, if you don't have core values right now, you're saying, okay, do I need core values in my business? I would wait until you actually have a few employees to really decide what your core values are. Mm-hmm. I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is that before they even have employees, they decide what their core values are. Okay. But you don't really know because you haven't really had a culture or had people yet to say, this is what we value and this is what we don't. So when we did it, we had been in business for about five years and we had at the time probably about 20 employees. We were probably a little too late, but we had a really good sample size to say of the employees, like these are the ones that we love, they're the most effective, our clients love them. If we can clone them, we would. And, And it's like, all right, we wrote down all these words that describe them. And then we had another pile of people that were like, you know, they're, they're struggling here or we had to fire them or, you know, they're just not, they're not us. And we wrote down all the words that describe them too. Okay. So that was kind of our process for how we, we established them. And then we kind of dwindled those words down and, uh, and really, you know, we end up with like seven terms. I think that's a, another mistake I think a lot of companies make is that they'll write out these like seven phrases mm-hmm. and everyone says like, don't have more than seven. Um, so they'll really jam every single word they possibly can into them. <laughs> but then, then you ask any employee, like, what's your core values? And everyone's like, oh, I don't know. I, I know one of them. And, and th- so they're not really like part of the culture. Mm-hmm. So one morning I just woke up. I was like, it just hit me after all these conversations. Like it's passion, it's helpfulness, and it's dependability. You know, you got to be passionate about this. We don't want people in this company that this is their job and it's just a job. And they go home and their passions are somewhere else. Like we want our, if we're going to have work-life balance and work-life unity, we want people that are like, that, that, that this is not a job. It's what I would do no matter what. I just want to do this so bad and I can't believe I actually get to do this for, and get paid for it. That's what <laughs> passion is. Right. Helpfulness is just like, we, we believe in being a team sport. Everything we do here is, is team-based. Um, we are in client services. Our clients depend on us to, to really help them. So you just need to be helpful by nature. And I think that's also kept any of these like brilliant jerks out of the company. People that are just like have egos and think they're so great because it's just our culture which eliminate them. Mm-hmm. And then dependability is just you know it's trust. It's it's reliability. It's just you know when someone says they're going to do something, they do it, and you never have to worry about it. Um, it's, it's as simple as like just knowing that I can give any employee the company card and just say make good decisions. I never have to worry about it. It's, so those are like the three fundamental core values. Um, 
And how do you and how do you use that or use those when, I guess you know when 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 hiring or how has that helped you with with the culture with the hiring, since yeah you I mean we we test we, we we always test for culture fit and culture fit is our values we're we're looking for for impacty people during the process we have some questions around around core values, um, you know we have our, our awards every year we give out three awards every year and one's passion one's healthiness and one's dependability mm-hmm. um but we've learned over the years that to win one of those awards you have to have all three core values and like really stand out in one area and be like mm-hmm. the model for one so that's how we give out the awards when do you um, give those out uh once a year so they used to be at the end of the year uh we one thing we, we also like have a very, like like, at the holiday party we it used to be the holiday party but now we have such a remote environment we have 40 something employees that are not in connecticut so now we're going to do it right after our event uh at least that's when we did it this year we might change mm-hmm. it next year but once a year okay neat and uh yeah, and how it's, about it's with part of our evaluation clients. process yeah, um yeah i mean especially now when we are really embracing they ask you answer and we're consulting clients to adopt those principles um, and we're actually helping clients um, a little bit uh, with with hiring hiring content manager hiring videographer make sure that their team mm-hmm. is staffed right i think probably more unintentional than intentional but i think the core values go there as well and and i think you could see that when people all share the same passions or all you know our, our community i think everyone people that attend our events and our social community our clients our people you know people have left impact for for different opportunities i think when we all come together uh i think all three of those core values are i think very prevalent in the entire community that's neat yeah i mean it, it's interesting it does sound like you're sound like you're creating a bit of a community like talking about certain alumni that have left you guys but but still, or maybe they're with clients, and so helping to uh, propagate that even more. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the things, one of the things you also mentioned. Maybe we'll maybe we'll try to end with this because we're going, uh, we're going, we're going a little long already. But what is, um, uh, gosh, what do we want to talk about? Um, you know what? You know what I want to ask about is uh, is is, and you referenced this a little bit earlier. You talked about, uh, you talked about hitting the ceiling. Right. So what? Mm. T- tell me about tell me about, you know, look, every business hits a ceiling. Yeah. You know, you can you know, people either make an evolution, make a revolution, make a change and then break through and continue growing, kind of stagnate or just ultimately spiral into failure. Right. When people hit the ceiling, usually. So what t- tell me about some of the times when you guys have hit the ceiling? What did you do? How did you you know what happened? How did you handle that? Hopefully others can learn from from that. Well, the fir- first first things first is that ceilings are inevitable every company is going to hit them and you'll hit several of them especially if you're growing if you're growing fast mm-hmm. uh we i would say we probably hit ceilings uh at least two times probably a third time as well uh 2013 2015 and i would say we we hit a little bit of one last year but we we rebounded that from that one much faster than the other two mm-hmm. um and usually it's around, you know, size um, when when you start hitting them, and it, to get through them, it's it's just learning and persistence and and doing things differently than you did before because the things that you used to do didn't work. 
the the first one we hit, uh, we had become a HubSpot partner. We had a lot of success very early on, and and I say success, but in reality, I should say luck because we didn't know what we were doing, and <laughs> and 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 we just got very lucky. Um, but by the time we got to like eighteen people. We had no hiring processes. We didn't have our values. We didn't have a vision. We didn't have any of that. Uh-huh. And therefore, you know, as we got bigger and people realized I had no idea what I was doing, instead of like having the right people there that that were going to help me get through it, I had a lot of people calling me out on it and shutting down and, and had like a subculture of, of people that just didn't, you know, were just checked out but not leaving the company. Uh-huh. So yes. that was like the first, and we were pr- probably a million and a half in revenue at that time. So that was a, a long process to really get all of that cleaned up, get those people out of the company, realize what we did wrong, get some values in place, try to get our hiring processes right. And uh, and I think we, we were better, and we got to probably about two and a half million and probably 30 people at the time. Okay. Um, and we hit this another one. This is 2015, one. the second one. This is 2015. Okay. And turnover of employees was really bad at the time. Um, turnover of clients was really bad. Uh, it was the first time really that we were really unprofitable and, and losing money. And it was, it was scary. Um, mm-hmm. We ended up just cleaning house again. We went from 30, whatever, 32, 33 people down to 23. Um, and I think the biggest thing that got us through that ceiling was putting a vision in place. I think one, it was really two things. Before we put the vision in place, the, the big turning point was when a few of my employees sat me down and were like, here's everything we know why people are leaving. And, and these are things we have to address. Okay. But the moral of the story was that, Bob, people just don't see their future here. This is just a stepping stone for them. It's their first job to get another job. People don't see their future here. So to answer that, I was like, well, if people are going to see their future here. They need to know what the future is. Right. So we started going through this process of doing visions. And we, we, I think we got our first vision really right. We did a three-year vision. So it was to get us from where we were in 15 to the end of 18. Uh-huh. And I wrote down everything that I saw for the company. But I think the real magic actually happened was when I got all the employees together and I showed them my ideas, but I wanted their input. I wanted them to contribute to the vision. They came up with a whole bunch of things that I didn't even see, and we put it in there. And Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, it was no longer my vision, it was our vision. We all owned it. And then all this turnover, we were losing like, we were hiring and losing people like two or three a month. It was just, it was a revolving door. As soon as we put that in and we finished getting everybody that needed to leave out of the company, we didn't have one person leave the company and we didn't add one person to the company for for 12 months. Wow. Because we all owned that vision and we stuck together. Right. People um, wanted to be around to see to see to see it uh, to see them to see them get there because they were part of forming it, I guess. That's exactly right. And it was exciting. It was an exciting vision. So the summer of 2015 was one of the worst times in our history. By the winter that year, going to like October, Q4 was the best quarter we ever had that, uh, up until that point. Wow. And then the next quarter was even better. And we've just been on an upper trajectory since. And we ended up checking off everything on our vision a year early. 
because we yes. actually had a vision in place. And all, all those people are, for the most part, I mean, there's been a few people that have left since, but all those people are still here. Um, and then we repeated the vision in 2018 or 2017. We made our, our next three-year vision, which brings us to the end of 2020. And we're, we're ahead on that. So I would say one of the biggest things to get through a ceiling is make sure you have a vision, make sure everyone has ownership of it. Everyone knows where we're going. Mm-hmm. Cause the best way to get through a ceiling is having everybody thinking in the same way and going in the same direction, making every decision as if you're making those decisions. Uh, that way not, you don't have a bunch of people going to, you know, 10,000 different directions. Right. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's I mean that's really great in terms of in terms of the importance of vision obviously for anybody out there that's uh, that's part of the EOS uh, model or you know or using that or, or thinking about it uh, entrepreneurial operating system obviously clarifying the vision is a, is is a, is a big part of that um, and uh, so that's really great and in terms of understanding that as a, as a as a method of, of breaking through the ceiling um, you know I think I think that what you shared about about core values and using that to uh, to really be clear on that and using that you know with your own people as well as with your as with your clients and then with the they ask you answer model and ownership internally of uh, of, of the marketing I think that's that, that's a huge benefit to people I think what they can learn from this conversation or gain from it as a takeaway and uh, just really really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing all this stuff with uh, with everybody out there really really appreciate it yeah, Ben, well, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. No problem. Absolutely. And uh, so, again, uh, They Ask You Answer uh, by Mark Sheridan. People could check out that book and uh, impactbnd.com uh, for uh, Mark Ruffalo's uh, company's website, Impact. Uh, Impact uh, Bob, Bob Ruffalo. Bob, what did I say? <laughs> Mark, it's a common uh, mistake. I get that, I get that literally yeah, every so day, Ben. You're not the only one. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's a combination of Mark Sheridan. <laughs> And yeah, and the actor Mark Ruffalo. Sorry, sorry about that. I have a nice <laughs> no picture, problem. by the way. My uh, my son with Comic Con last year actually got to meet Mark Ruffalo. Oh no way! But, um, yeah, it was cool. Anyways, so uh, sorry, Bob Ruffalo, ImpactVND.com, uh, Impact uh, Organization. So thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, and uh, see everybody else on the other side. Thanks a lot. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.